Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you guys doing today? Well, I, it looks like we made it. Looks like uh, Biden's going to be running the show. Uh, we can we can breathe a little easier there, but the COVID's going up. So that's like people are starting to freak out. You know, there's a lot of anxiety out there. Believe you me, you're not alone in this. So um, there's a lot of mental health facilities uh, that you can check in with and you can get help with. Send me a note. I've got plenty of ideas for you, okay, if you need any help. So I'm really excited about who I have on my show today. I have Tom Tenney, the station director, and uh, his collaborator on the Wall of Lies project, Phil Bueller, who also happens to be my husband. But before we get to that, I want to just remind you that, you know, thanks for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are a nonprofit organization. And you know what? Right now, it's really it is a really tough time and we do a lot for the community and we bring you really good programming of all sorts. And we are a really valuable addition to everyone's life. So you should make a donation. Just check us out on Radio Free Brooklyn slash donate. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Look at all the stuff we got on. We've got a whole section on Wall of Lies, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about to today. So anyway, I'll say hi to my guests and then I'm, I'm just going to say hi to them because they're sitting right there and I don't want to leave them out. And then I'm, I am going to, in my own words, because so that the, I'm going to explain to you what the deal is. Okay. So hi, Tom. Hi, Lisa. There's Tom, our station director, and Phil, who's laughing. Phil. Hi, Lisa. When was the last time, you know, you two spent like that whole month together. When was the last time you two actually saw each other in person? I don't know. You don't even remember, (laughs) right? it, 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 It doesn't feel like it was very long ago, so... Uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week sometimes. Last week. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to explain. So for for the uninitiated here, if you haven't, the Wall of Lies had press everywhere. But in case you don't know what it is, uh, Tom was connected with somebody. And what's the guy's name at the... Um, at the Washington Post? Yeah. Uh, Glenn Kessler. He's the fact checker. The fact the checker. Post. And he, he yeah. got in touch with you or you got in touch with him? No, I got in touch with him. I reached out to him in uh, over the winter. It was in late January, early February, something like that. Uh, and I asked him if he if they wouldn't mind sharing the database with us. I didn't know if it was proprietary or not, but mm-hmm. I figured it couldn't you know couldn't hurt mm-hmm. to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were very happy to. Send. I think they sent it the same day I asked them. Oh actually. really? Yeah. And did you have in mind like originally it was Tom's idea? He had this in mind that he was going to be. Um, we were all going to work together the entire station. I don't know seventy shows or whatever. And because the lie of all the lies, we were just going to have a whole week of different hosts reading the lies. That was your vision, Tom. When So was that what you were thinking exactly when you contacted uh, Kessler? Yeah, well, the idea, right. So that's exactly right. So the idea initially was to do a radio marathon where we tried to read all of the, what, what was then at the time, 17,000 lies on the air and uh, see if we could do it all in one week if we did it 24 7 you know every single day and um uh you know and so we were going to basically do a blackout of all other programming and just do that and that was you know that was sort of um the initial goal and then covid 19 stepped in and uh you know had plans of its own Mm mm-hmm so in the meantime, I had been talking to Phil about this project that Phil had, and Phil's on the board of directors, so he also knew about it, right, from the board? Phil? Yeah, yeah, I heard about it from you and from Tom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when it was getting close, what it was in October or September, the beginning of September then, 
Anyway, Phil had this great idea. I'm going to go through this really fast, and then these guys can talk about it. Phil had this great idea to make it into a entire billboard, a big wall of lies. And there were 20,000 lies, and Phil and Tom collaborated together. And what they did was they produced this post, and not a poster, just this huge banner that was t- 10 feet high by uh it was 50 feet wide and all filled with lies. And there were different colors because Phil, the statistics expert, figured out how to put them in categories. So it was this big colorful wall. You'd look at the wall and it looked almost like just post-it notes. And then when you got closer, it was all the different lies in chronological order and then also color-coded by category. Uh And then there's another part of the story, which they will get to where it got into twice as big. So eventually they wound up with a 20 foot wide by a hundred foot wide by 10 foot wide high wall. Oh my God. I got really anxious there and screwed that up. So anyway, that's the deal. But here's the thing. Here's the Dr. Lisa part. Okay. And then I'm going to, and then I really will. I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about that anxiety that you had about. No, I do. I'm really anxious. (laughs) I've got my two authority figures on my two male. These guys make me nervous. So anyway, so here's the deal. Thomas, I have worked on projects with both of them. I mean, I live with Phil. I married Phil. I had a wedding with Phil. Uh, So I know, but I can't work with Phil because when I work with Phil, he uh, does not get stuff done on a schedule and it drives me crazy. I can't, I feel like I'm, I just can't work like that. I have to have a deadline. Things have to happen on a, you know, on time and all that. Uh, now, Tom. That sounds very judgy, doctor. I am very. <laughs> I'm your wife, remember? Now, Tom, you know, I've worked with uh, for the last five years. He's the director of the radio station. But he's like more in a position where I, he's an expert. And I know, I know I am not, this is not. I mean, I'm good at the radio show, but all the stuff that Tom knows how to do the show, he's also great on the radio, but all his expertise, he's an expert in an area that I am not comfortable with. So although I am much better than we than we ever thought, right, Tom? Oh, yeah, you're yeah. great. Oh, okay. They, oh, wow. I'm going to write that down. So anyway, so here's the thing. In your diary. <laughs> no, no, in my third party endorsement project. Oh, okay. Never mind. So anyway, so but the thing is, like, I can't imagine the two of them working together because they both I'm just gonna say this, they both have guy egos, all right? You know what I mean, guys? Do you? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Phil won't admit it though. Phil, you have a guy ego. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. But I have to. I mean, I know what you mean, but I know as many women with guy egos as as I do men. So I wouldn't put that all on 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 males. But I'm really sexist, and I'm making a really sexist comment. So, <laughs> so anyway, but you can see what I'm saying. So and and Tom, they both are really bossy. Like Tom gets really mad if you fuck up, or, he, or he's capable. He can get scary or used to get scary when you'd fuck up. And Phil, I just can't argue with him anymore. I get sick of arguing with him anymore. Like when I'm working on my own projects now, I don't even talk to him about it because I don't want to hear what his opinion is until it's at a certain point. So part of what I'm really interested in, part of what I- That's just 20 years of being together, Lisa. No, but part of what I personally found fascinating is how these two, I have never seen either of them collaborate as well as they did with each other. And I'm not kidding. And also the project they did, uh, I have never in my life been a first, I've been a firsthand witness to a lot of assorted projects, believe you me, creative projects, but I have never seen anything blow up so quickly uh, as this project. So it was this huge resounding success. It's not over yet. It still has some 
some future in it, which we can get to. But anyway, how the fuck did you guys get along? Like, how did they do it? How did they get along? I mean, I, they, anyway, so I'm going to find, I want to find that out, but I want to turn it over to you guys. So why don't you uh, just fill in what I didn't fill in about the project so that every, that, you know, make sure that the basics of what you guys did is covered. Okay. I mean, I, I think you you covered it pretty well. Um, you know, it was just something that started out as a radio project, and then, uh, I mean, it, I never never crossed my mind to do it as a visual project because because I'm not a, a visual artist, and that's not where my mind goes automatically. So, and that's where you know Phil came in, and we just sort of you know we kind of put the you know the ideas together and. Um, well, the you know, bones was a good idea. The the, I mean, if you go, the um, how do you bring to mind and then dramatize twenty something thousand lies? Uh, I guess the the core of the original idea was to take that database and then <clears throat> dramatize it or make it real for people by how long it would take to read them. In other words, the the um, the temporal how long how long things take. And it just would take, I don't know how many days, Tom, but a week for, for the host to read all of them. Um, that same idea, if you just take it into visual space, becomes uh, how much space would those lies take up? And uh, so it's, it's kind of the same idea, just executed in two different media and two different ways to dramatize that to people. So it was a, I mean, it just, from when you did it and then shut it down when COVID hit, it just kind of was sitting there. It was like one of those ideas that was too good to go away. And it was just marinating in my head. That mm-hmm. Well, um, what, what was so interesting about it is that uh, what Tom had envisioned was an audio way of, uh, you know, processing, comprehending the lies and, and the vastness and the amount of them and the specific specificity, specific, whatever. And Phil uh, made it a visual and then you could kind of see it all at the same time. And it was very, I mean, I think either way it would have been overwhelming, but this was really interesting because we were all able to experience it together, right? You guys were there. The whole project was out in the open, you know, was, was public and, It was kind of cool how it worked out, right? Yeah, I mean, it became much more of a community thing. I mean, listening is almost by definition a a solitary act, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're going to a concert or something like that. Uh, But you're tuning into the radio. There's something very, um, there's something very personal and very intimate about radio listening. And the visual aspect turns it into something else completely. Like you said, it turns it into something that we can all kind of look at and talk to each other about, you know, in real time while we're there. Um, and the other thing that I really liked about it being visual was that you didn't have to come to us to get it, right? Like, it sort of came to you. Mm-hmm. It was um, something that you couldn't, I mean, is it, the second wall is 100 feet wide by 10 feet high, and you couldn't really ignore it when you were walking by. I mean, it was, you know, the kind of thing that sort of, overwhelms you and kind of pulls you in Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's just to go you know what's that Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that the the response is that is that feeling feeling of being overwhelmed whereas if it's done on the radio you can turn it off it's sort of the expected response is Jesus Christ shut the hell up (laughs) (laughs) right 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 for a week right that's interesting throw your iPhone across I hadn't thought of that (laughs) I I hadn't thought of that that's interesting yeah okay so this project really took on a life of its own which is fascinating I think and uh I thought maybe you guys could uh tell us the story about where you first put it up and then what happened and how it got moved. Sure. And, and we also want to include like all the mass attention it got. So uh, I, I think maybe 
if you want to talk about that too, maybe talk about that first so people can understand how epic it was. Or well, I think it's, I think it's, all, that's all one story. Yeah, I, think, I guess. You know. Yeah, it kind of is. It went from epic to more epic. You're right. I agree. So go ahead. And I, I look at it like the waves of exposure. It's, we originally intended it just to be a pop-up thing on a, a weekend. <clears throat> so like two days. Um, and to make an event out of it, we were going to, you know, Tom mm-hmm. had the idea to have a live radio broadcast on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and by then- the way, folks, this is at 12 Grattan Street in Bushwick by the Morgan L. And it was in conjunction with Pine Box Rock Shop, which is a very popular local bar that happened to have an empty, you know, gate wall next to it. So there you go. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so it was it was. You know, once we had the the idea of this big 50 by 10 foot wall, where to put it, and the perfect place seemed to be a pine box because uh, there was that empty fence next door. And then uh, Heather uh, Rush, who one of the owners of Pine Box, basically she's always done uh, a voter registration drive. So I asked her to do a voter registration drive. So she got involved uh, for that weekend, and then Tom. Had the idea to um, do a live radio broadcast, and so we were going to have this kind of, you know, party on the street for two days in front of the wall, and that, that was kind of the extent of what I where I thought it would go. Um, I kind of knew, you know, we we both knew it was going to be very. It's a photogenic thing. I mean, the background of that is almost made for an Instagram world. Okay, so I'm going to interrupt because I'm keeping this moving. All right. And I get annoyed when Phil talks too long. It's my chance to talk over I was him. Say, you, you, you interrupt Phil a lot more than you do me, but that's because you're married to him, I'm sure. No, it's just that um, <laughs> it was a very exciting launch. The thing looked amazing. Phil, I mean, let's give Phil full credit for putting that whole thing together um, as far as like the text and the, you know, the imagery. And Tom set up this really amazing. Tell us about tell us about what it was like when you had the launch. Talk about that. Uh, I mean the the, the Phil. Launch- are, I'm sorry, Phil. Are you mad at me? I'm looking at him. No, mad I don't at know me. who you're talking to now. <laughs> okay, yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah. okay, Tom. Go yeah. ahead. Is the correct question to me? If it's not to me, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it, Tom. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, the launch was just, you know, as Phil said, we just wanted to have, you know, kind of a big party and, um, you know, do a live broadcast and sort of, um, you know, let people, let people come and experience. And certainly Phil and I wanted to see how the wall was experienced by, by other people. So we created this event. A lot of people came, uh, Chuck Schumer came to see it unexpectedly and I got to interview him on the air. So that was really super exciting. But yeah, I mean, we didn't really, I mean, we thought after that first weekend, that was basically going to be it. We were going to leave it up until, uh, until the election or just until the election was decided. Um, and then, you know, it it got, it got vandalized and, um, Mm -hmm. and then the story, you know, sort of, sort of continued from there. But I mean, you know, we got a fair amount of press for it, even Mm -hmm. just for, um, you know, the initial launch. Right. Uh, And I think it was because it. Sorry, in, now I'm interrupting you. This there's too much to talk about and not enough time. Uh, Phil, why don't you why, why don't you tell us about the vandalism since you live we live like two blocks away from the bar and tell us sure, about that. Sure, yeah. The the wall took on several. It's like waves of attention, waves in the story. So the the first wave was putting it up and having everybody come by and the voter registration, and then Chuck Schumer came. And that was another wave of attention. And then that was on Sunday. Then Wednesday, um, my studio actually overlooks that wall. So it's very convenient for me to go out there. And you and Lisa, you and I were with Astro getting our morning coffee and rounded the corner on my way to my studio and then saw that the wall had been defaced. Mm -hmm. And then as it got closer and closer, you saw that it it wasn't just like typical tagging that goes on out here in Bushwick. It was... um, it's kind of like hate speech. It was um, vote Trump or die, and then uh, uh, stand back and stand by, and the whole wall was covered. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was like a body blow. Um, and then I 
sent some photos. We wouldn't have even seen it for a while, but I sent photos to Tom, who then passed them on to Radio Free Brooklyn. And then Tom got this fundraiser going to replace the wall. That I think we had enough money in a couple of hours to do that. But it was, That's I was amazing. so bummed out. But the reaction of the Radio Free Brooklyn group, like Tom and, and Rachel and Rob and everybody uh, and Sal were just like, jumped back into gear. I mean, they were pre- <laughs> Sal was sending out press releases again about the defacement that got it even more attention and took mm-hmm. it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it, it was like a waves. We rode the first wave and then this was the second wave of, of, um, Tom, what was your reaction? Because you, when you, you heard about it and then like to get all that love from, uh, posting about it and how people responded. Yeah, it was, I mean, that, that was great. I, to be very honest, I was worried from the beginning and Phil will tell you this. I, you know, I was even after we put it up, I'm like, what if it gets graffitied before the opening party? And he was like, no, I won't get graffitied. And still I would like, um, and I remember I, Phil texted me the first, the day after we put it up and which was like the day mm-hmm. before the party and he just he just wrote like no tags because <laughs> um, because I was like I was stressed about it mm-hmm. and uh, and it and it did remain intact mm-hmm. until, um, you know, until a Schumer par- press for came the party. Out, yeah. 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 I mean, and it remained intact for the mm-hmm. for the party. And then it wasn't until mi- the middle of the next week mm-hmm. that it got um, that it got vandalized. And uh, and then Phil texted me and I was like, oh, fuck, I knew it, you know. Uh, but I didn't, re- you know, I didn't realize right away that it was this hate speech that it had vandalized it. And then it was just like fury. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Now, how uh, much? It, I mean, you guys tell us we I want to hear a little bit about the press and the amount of attention and the kind of response you got, because you tell us like how much response you got just from the, you know, wall originally. And then the added response you know, media response when it got vandalized, you got more press, right? Even more than the first time. Yeah. Yeah. The first time was local press. It was like, uh, who was it? It was like radio, um, Bushwick daily did something. And then, uh, news 12 Brooklyn did a little reader. Yeah. Yeah. BK reader. Um, and I think that's what brought Schumer was one of those locally. Cause he was happened to be, you know, Congress wasn't in session. So he was in Brooklyn where he lives. And then uh, after the uh, it was defaced, then like the next day, there were stories in the Daily News or that, um, was it the next day or that day? The day, It was that day. So it got defaced on a Wednesday mm-hmm. night, Thursday, there were stories in the Daily News and the, uh, the New York Post and a bunch of others about the defacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to throw in my two cents here too, because I was there when Chuck Schumer showed up and it was so weird because this old guy with a mask on ambles out of like some big black car. And I'm like, why is somebody's dad's here? And then he starts, who's in charge here? And I'm like, why is this old guy? Who does he think he is? And then (laughs) how did they recognize, who recognized it was Chuck Schumer? Do you remember? I I just remember I was talking to Tom on the radio about it. And then this old guy with, you know, a mask on, uh is yeah who's in charge here and then i'm like oh my god it's one of those people and then he comes in even closer who's in charge here and then somebody else that's chuck schumer and we both were oh, like okay. and then tom kicked me out of my chair neither of you recognized <laughs> him <laughs> that's now, great so okay so uh you get all this press the thing gets vandalized that's very disappointing but then there's this huge like really un surprising silver lining, right? Who would have ever expected that it would get vandalized? And then all the, you know, donations and love pouring out from that, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would characterize it as silver lining exactly. (laughs) Um, Just because like, I mean, I was kind of happy for it to be sort of, you know, over, um, and mm-hmm. you know, to be up until the election, and right. that, that's great and everything. We did the project and it was successful. Um, lemons to it, lemonade. How's that? Is okay, that it? Better. Lemons yeah, that, to lemonade, I think yeah, is that's, better. That's, right. That's okay. Def- yeah. That's, def- well, that's definitely Okay. That better. works for us. Well, de- it definitely changed how the community saw it too. I mean, they liked it as a public artwork on that Saturday and Sunday, but then it became 
they got def really defensive about it. it. Kind of they owned it at that point because they couldn't believe somebody, you know, would write Proud Boy graffiti. I mean, this is a pretty, this is like a, a bastion of Bernie Sanders supporters and, mm -hmm. and out here in Bushwick. And mm -hmm. for, the, for, the, for you to imagine that somebody would write vote Trump or die and then stand back and stand by on this thing, people really took it personally. And then there was kind of this, I don't know, community ownership of the wall, which then translated to, to me and I think to Tom as, as it went from a, a project we put up to a responsibility we had now to mm. this, oh, that's what interesting. this became. Yeah, I also want to add, in case people can't picture this, you know, it's right next to uh, the local bar. And so every time you go past there, every time, you know, somebody goes, there were a constant stream of people outside looking at it and commenting on it. And then if Phil or Tom was there, we'd say, oh, here's the artists. And then they would get all, you know, be surrounded by people asking questions. But it became very much a living thing because it was out in public, you know, 24-7, and people would hear about it and come by. And you could go there anytime and talk to people who were looking at it. And unlike most projects, it, you just got a ton of immediate feedback. Isn't that right, guys? Yeah, yeah. much much different than like having a gallery show where mm -hmm. you go to the opening and then it's silence after that and you wait mm -hmm. to see if you get a review. Here it was, anytime I wanted my studio, I, like I said, looks out on it. So anytime I, if I looked out the window and I saw a crowd out there, I could walk downstairs and then talk to people. So did and, you, mm-hmm. Did you notice a difference in the reaction from when you first put it up till when it was vandalized? Did you notice like how people were behaving around it? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, um, it became, well, they became much more, what are you going to do? And, and I had to put, I would put. <laughs> what are you, what are right. you going to do? What are you going to do about this vandalism? We've had to put a note up. So we kept people posted. So I would post little, um, you know, I'd post up a bunch of notes like, oh, it got vandalized, but we're raising money to put it up somewhere else uh, mm -hmm. and fix it. Mm -hmm. So so people yeah. keeping them posted because they always they would go into the bar or wherever and ask questions about it the, or the, um, mm -hmm. uh, say, coffee next door. So uh, we wanted to – so people were coming out special to see it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then somebody – what changed it also where the community owned it was – we didn't mention this yet, but the – on top of where it said vote Trump or die, somebody cut out right out of the, the vinyl uh, mural, cut out Trump's name and then spray painted behind it on the fence uh, hearts and then in this pink color. And then on, over uh, stand back and stand by, they basically covered that over and then spray painted uh, love thy neighbor. But just so it was kind of the re community response to this vandalism. Yeah. It had a whole dialogue in the neighborhood. It's so awesome. Um, and also I just want to remind you guys, if you're listening, well, you are listening if I'm talking to you, but uh, go to wall of lies on radiofreebrooklyn.org. There's a whole, um, you know, there's a whole repository of all the photos and press and stuff like that. So you should go check that out. So you can see exactly what we're talking about. Wait, so, what did you say? I wasn't listening. I was <laughs> okay. That's it, Tom. You're you're off. Uh, no, I I just told people to go look it up on radiofreebrooklyn.org/slash Wall of Lies. Tom, uh, you were next yeah. anyway. I want you to tell everybody. I want to hear what happened. How when you know you got um, donations to repair it. How did it get to the next phase? The phase in Soho. How did it get? How did you? Well, cut? right. So we got we got roughly four thousand dollars in uh, in donations, Crazy. and um, so that allowed us to build you know tw twice a wall of twice the size, which we got on immediately. And um, and then I also hired a security guard <laughs> for. for to, 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 to look after it for the two nights between, you know, when we put it up and when we we're going to have the sort of second opening party in Soho. Mm -hmm. And then Phil had located this, you know, this fence down, um, down the corner <laughs> of, of Grand and Lafayette. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just it went up um, very soon. Uh, I think we put it up <coughs> about a, I think it was a week the next week. We yeah. went 
right? The next Thursday we yeah. went and put it up. So what yeah. was that like when you guys got that up and you saw like it was twice, it was already huge. And then when it was up, it was twice as big. I mean, what was that like when you saw it? Was it just like, oh my God? It seemed more than twice as big to me. Like adding a adding an, just another 50 feet to it made it seem like i mean the 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 impact i feel like um sort of increased exponentially yeah, it went from a, than just you know twice you know well it's also went from a yeah. side street in brooklyn yeah. where you know it's there's basically one lane of traffic between parked cars to you know a major manhattan avenue where you know there was that's probably seven lanes of traffic wide and they you weren't allowed to park in front of it, so basically it took up visual space in Manhattan, which is hard to do. So it was big. I mean, and it was um, one part we left out was originally we didn't know if we were going to replace the wall in Brooklyn and just put another fifty foot wall up. But then we talked to people out in front of the wall and say, "What should we do? Should we put a new wall up, or should?" We? And because they the new the old wall that was defaced and then reclaimed with the hearts. Uh, People wanted to leave that up as kind of a uh, part of this dialogue uh, about what Trump's lies have done to the country. So, and then people basically said, "Yeah, put it up someplace else." And that was, and that actually to take it from Brooklyn, which kind of was now owned by the Brooklyn community, to bring it into Soho, which also had, I mean, Brooklyn's full of street art, and Soho was kind of where a lot of that started way back. Uh, so it was, it was a, and in a community of artists, because we put it on a fence that was originally called the the, uh, um, the Soho Oasis fence, where people put Black Lives Matter art on it. So we were actually putting it back, uh, putting it onto a place, onto a big fence that uh, had a history of, of um, people putting protest art. So as far as the reaction, so you have two very different neighborhoods, right? You have um, a small, kind of out of the way, but near the Morgan L wall. And then you have basically, it was really just about a city block um, on Lafayette Street in the middle of Soho. Uh, what, what, what was the difference in the rea- response that you got both you know, both places, how, how was, were this different or what was different about it? Or what did you notice? Uh, one thing I noticed is that there were more, um, even though it got more bad, you know, the, the vandalism was worse in, in Bushwick, there were more Trump supporters, it seemed. Wow. That were, that were seeing the wall in Manhattan. And even when we were putting it up, I mean, we had a Trump supporter come by and call us, you know, commie pigs and you know what do you say you're going to go from radio free brooklyn to to radio radio free radio commie yeah how do you react how did you react to that i mean you didn't get any of that in bushwick right no i mean the way that you all i think that you always react to that is you just sort of you know engage in calm polite conversation and uh, not a shouting match which Mm -hmm. is what they're looking for right uh and then they sort of you know they just sort of go away on their own well if you just when you just point to the wall and say there's nothing on this wall that trump actually didn't say yeah it's really hard to argue with it you could you know it's yeah right. he said I mean, these 20,000 things and i think that's one of the great things about the wall too is that it's not you know the only commentary it's the only thing that we're doing really is reflecting trump's own words back to him you know we're sort mm-hmm. of a whole, just holding a mirror up to it and saying you know, we're stringing together all of these things that he said that just all happen to be not true. Um, and the only real sort of political commentary that we added to the wall was the name, mm-hmm. right? The wall, mm-hmm. the wall of lies, which is which, which is also just a fact because right. these have been these have been oh. fact checks. So. Right. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Yeah. The the post Washington Post where we got all the lies. The what are the euphemism they use? Mis uh, <laughs> exaggerate. What are they? They have like, it's 20,000. Oh, oh, false or misleading statements. False or misleading statements. Yeah. And we just outright call them lies, which some of the press started right. calling Wall them. of false or misleading statements doesn't, doesn't have the same ring. Right. They really soft pedal that. And you also kept in touch with your connection at the Wall Street Journal, right? 
Or at the, the Washington, Washington Post. Post. Washington Post. That's what I meant. So you. Oh, he was. He tweeted out about a lot of the other thing we didn't talk about. We got press, but um, Rex Chapman, who was an uh, XMBA uh, player, he had a million followers. He tweeted it out. His tweets got like twenty thousand retweets. Rosie Chuck, O'Donnell also. Rosie yeah. O'Donnell, Chuck Schumer, um, and and uh, John uh, Apatow. Judd Apatow. Yeah, yeah. Glenn yeah. Kessler from you know who was the fact checker. He retweeted mm-hmm. it, and then Washington Post people retweeted it. So it kind of. And especially since it's even in a, even in Instagram, it's so visual that it will stop you when you are flipping through your stuff to find out what that is. That mm-hmm. it it spread. We couldn't keep track of where it went. It just kind of went out in the wild, and you know, it probably had millions and millions of impressions. But we had you can't no no idea. So were you completely? Where I mean, were were you? T- you were, must have been taken by surprise. Did you like not expect to get this kind of reaction, or what was that like? I mean, I've had public art things, even the same in the same street uh, that this was, where I put something out there. I actually did a, a 360 walk-in photograph of a Trump rally as well as the women's march on washington a different year but and you know you might get one or two articles and nothing you know it's kind of like yeah people uh, this this exploded way beyond but what what, about eh. the impact the feeling of impact you've i mean you must have felt like you were really did it did it have a feeling of connection and impact and like relevance almost bigger than the project i was gonna say relevance i mean it definitely had a had a feeling of of relevance i mean i you know I mean, I've I've been producing stuff for, you know, ages and you you never know what's going to blow up and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it usually is the things that are relevant. You know, I produced a show um, called The the Wrong Fag to Fuck With. (laughs) I love that. The the Gay Pimp versus Eminem. And this is when there was all all the controversy about like sort of Eminem and stuff he was saying about gay people. And uh, and that blew up. Right. So that that had like lines around the block. To see oh, that. wow. And it was this and it was this little, you know, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I was ragtag groups of comedians and actors and artists mm-hmm. doing this midnight show at Surf Reality on the Lower East Side. Wait, that, I, I got to say one thing about that, though. It yeah. had sex and celebrities. This did not. The wall lies. What? Well, you, well, you know what I'm saying? It's much harder sell. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what's Phil laughing about? I don't know. I'm just thinking about, oh, we could have taken it to another level with some sex and celebrities. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, they were in there. They were mentioned. There was a lot of sex in those lives. Well, I mean, mean, and, and, you know, honestly, like you could, there's so many lives about so many different kinds of people. I mean, you could make custom walls of lies that are like like lies just about gay people, lies like just about black people. Well, we did, we did, uh, the one difference between the wall in Brooklyn and the one in Manhattan is because we were on this... Um, with with their support, the people that had the uh, the Soho Oasis, you know, there's one thing I learned about the with with Tom is he's very community, you know, focused. Doesn't want to mm-hmm. step on anybody's toes. So it was like a negotiation, or not a negotiation, but had to contact the person who kind of was the the you know the spirit behind the the Soho Oasis. And she wanted every, all the artists whose work we might move to be contacted and get their permission. And so it, it really, you learn that you, re, you know, it is a community. And then once you get the community behind you, boy, you can really um, go even further than if it's one person, if it was me or if it was me and Tom and then me, Tom and Radio Free Brooklyn and mm-hmm. me, Tom, Radio Free Brooklyn and Bushwick and then Soho. So right. it, it, Part of it was, and I think the press and all of the uh, the social media picked up on that, that it wasn't us. It was the wall. Yeah. And and, and what I loved was when people, I love reading the, the commentary on other people's posts on Instagram that you're totally disconnected from. Your n- name's not on it. It might say wall of lies. And then you read the, t- uh, the love and the hate. And people in New York were really in Bushwick and in Manhattan, that this was a new, the people from New York were like, this was a New York thing. This is what we did. Us New Yorkers did about right. Trump mm. right before the election. Mm. So and, they took and, ownership of it and pride new, in it. Oh, mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can circle that back to what you were asking at the beginning about, you know, collaboration, I think that that's one of the reasons that this worked so well is that 
I don't feel like there was a lot of ego in it for mm-hmm. Phil or for me, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because it wasn't about our work as artists. It was about the work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it was about the thing that we were creating. Yeah, and I can attest to, I mean, the radio station is based on a very community. I mean, Tom, it it, it was your vision, but it's very community oriented. And I love how many people and the radio station, how how Radio Free Brooklyn embraced it as their project, too. Mm -hmm. And it really did feel like it was a community you know, and then the people at Pine Box, Heather and Jeff, they were involved. And really, people did feel ownership of it. And that is a really, be- that that's a beautiful thing. You don't see that a lot with anybody's creative projects, that it, oh. the idea and the, uh, the beauty of it is so big that other people feel attached to it. And it was really, it was really, oh, and, and, I love that. And so it became like a barn raising because when we got there, people brought rope and if the one in Soho was torn down, the whole thing was torn down. We had to put it back up and uh, somebody brought a ladder, like a 10 foot ladder and another person brought rope to help put it back up. It was like I said, like a barn raising. We had all as much help as we wanted. We could get. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and so anyway, now what I want to do is I want to hear a little bit about what your next, what, what the next phase of it, it's, I know it, I know it still has some life in it and what's going to happen with it. And then I want to make sure we have enough time where I can grill YouTube. If I think, (laughs) if you think you're as annoying with each other as I think you both are, if that made any sense, but go ahead. So what, what's next? What's next for the wall of lies? Uh, I guess it's, yeah, we've been, we're in conversations with a major New York institution museum about donating it to their collection because they have a collection on New York history and uh, um, political speech. Uh, So hopefully we find, Tom and I could, could pass off, let somebody else adopt it. So it's kind of, it's like I said, we now feel like it's a responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's actually rolled up in my studio right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it has a historical significance now. I believe that. Yeah. 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 It's been it's torn. It's got battle scars. It, and, it has battle scars. Yeah. And then that's that's the immediate thing is to find a home for it. And then the second thing is we've already made plans to bring it. We're down all going to, to Washington, right, Tom? Yep. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna bring the wall down to Washington, and uh, I guess we're gonna lay it out on the mall, the National Mall, mm-hmm. on the the day before the inauguration. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, beyond that, I mean, yeah, I think it's great that somebody is gonna sort of you know adopt it, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe it will you know be displayed again somewhere, mm-hmm. and um, which would be great. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that. You maybe know, we'll make he, maybe we'll make it bigger because we'll have to see if Glenn Kessler has the lies since since the wall. Uh, and, yeah, but I mean, I I feel like there's a a certain amount of relevance that's going to disappear after mm-hmm. after yeah. you know Biden mm-hmm. becomes president. Mm-hmm. But then in twenty years, when people are looking back on like mm-hmm. like going what like the hell what happened? the hell were we thinking? <laughs> you know? How did that happen? Right. Which, then, it, then, it, then it might become really valuable again, you know, right. to be able to see something like that. Which, which brings me back to the collaboration aspect, because I, th- you know, as I was saying, I think I was very impressed and proud of both of you in a way, <laughs> how well you got along and how, and how uh, you both really committed to it and brought, you each brought so much to it. It really became so much bigger than the whole, two, two parts bigger than the whole. And, um, you know, I think that you, between, uh, you know, what you were able to create and the community involved, then you found a way to har- harness a lot of energy that I can imagine could happen on another project in the future. We've, we've talked about, we don't know what it is yet, but we've talked about yeah. doing something that's kind of public and involves visual art and involves mm-hmm. sound. Like we, that was what's nice about why we didn't argue so much. Cause we come from two totally different places that are somehow connected. Ah, you had your own things. That, right. That, I mean, I think, I really think that that's true. That's one of the things I was going to say too, is that we, we, we each have our own sort of, 
you know, different, I mean, not aesthetics, but are just sort of way of doing things and, um, and different, you know, skill sets. And I think that putting them together, I mean, there, you know, there were times that, you know, there were ideas that I didn't, you know, I didn't like as so much, but, you know, but I, but I was, you know, but when you think about the end project, which you have to do, you know, um, you know, you sort of say to yourself, I'm, this is not a hill I want to die on. I want to see the, you know, I mm-hmm. want to see this thing, mm-hmm. this, this thing happen. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and for the most part, I mean, I, I really, I thought working with Phil was very, very easy, mm. um, to be honest with really? you. Really? Yeah. God. So what about, this is what I can't imagine. Did he get, like, did you have trouble with timing or anything or anything like that? Were you like waiting around for stuff from him or anything like that? The the only, the, the only thing that I really worried about was, um, that things wouldn't get done in time. Like the printing wouldn't get done in time. Right. But that, but I just like, I mean, I was really stressed about right. that. Phil right. Phil was like, oh, don't worry. You know, if we get it there by noon tomorrow, it'll be done by Thursday morning. And I'm like <gasps> hyperventilating. Right. Um, but then you just have to trust that like, okay, you know, Phil's, you know, d- done this kind of thing before, you know, visual art projects. And he's worked with this vendor before. He knows <laughs> what, what they can do and what they can can't do and just have to sort of uh sort of trust that and one of the nice things about last minute projects is that you just kind of have to get them done quickly and there's not really any time for for quibbling or for worrying Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um that you just have to get you just have to ship right you just have to get it out Mm -hmm. well that's true i mean um one of phil's strengths is he is really good working under pressure and under a tight deadline and stuff like that so i mean he was also like just really passionate about the project and really focused completely on it um, so Phil was like, Tom, did Tom ever like, say, like, tell you that you were doing things wrong? Did he ever lose his temper? Tom, did Tom ever lose his temper, Phil? That's what I want to know. Really? Did he? Or he's no. on, he's on good meds now. I think maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the meds. So Aren't did, we all? So did he lose his temper? No, no, no. Uh, he got, you know, when it got tagged and the the or torn down, yeah, yeah, Tom. I think Tom. I'm like, oh, the, whoever it was is lucky they're not around. Because, but then again, I'm like, Tom's Tom's even t- you know taller than I am. So uh, I said, oh, we could we could take care of whoever. But it was, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to work. It's nice to work on a physical project with somebody who's big and can carry. Yeah, things. I mean, we're, guys, we're talking about like two people, you know, in the 200 plus 200, 200 plus range, five, three and over. Okay. Five, three, five, three. Well, you're, f- I mean, six, six three, six. <laughs> Phil's six, three, Tom's Tom. Phil's a big guy and Tom's even big. a bit bigger. So yes. Yeah, so no fucking around, you know, there was, it was, no- it was you know, what was fun too is outside of the wall, you know, when you're working with somebody on a project and you're like, you know, okay, let's talk about this idea. Oh, let's go have a beer and lunch. And then we could talk about it and we could talk about other things at that time. And then it would kind of just that, uh, you know, we became better friends during that whole process. So Mm -hmm. then that makes it so much easier because, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you don't want to get your way. It's, you want to have it, the other person, it work out for them too. And they get what, you know, their vision comes true. So it was kind of a, um, a nice, you know, way to, to cement a friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom, did Phil talk shit about me at all? No, we didn't talk about you at all. Actually. He didn't <laughs> so, talk about me at all. No. Oh yeah. I mean, only oh, he's I'm, like, I mean, waving. he's like, he's like, Oh, that's I couldn't bullshit. shut him up about how great you were, but he oh, didn't shut say up. anything about. Shut up. No. <laughs> We did. We did talk. Turn a little bit when we had when we were putting the wall up at first. They, the the there were these construction guys from Verizon ripping the sidewalk up in front of where we were going to put the wall and pouring new concrete down. And they, you know, they're typical construction guys. So you start getting into the 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 rhythm of it when you know some pretty girl walks by and they're like, "Hey, the models are here." 
So <laughs> you, you kind of just laugh with those guys because, you know, that's who you were with at the moment. But it was just fun to <laughs> kind of. So you got to check out a lot of chicks. So are the yeah. chicks, are the chicks, the chicks are better looking in Bushwick. I want to believe that. What do you think? No, not necessarily. Depends. What do you think? There's a totally different fashion sensibility yeah. in Bushwick versus Soho. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. chicks are really polished, right? Uh, in, yeah, I'd say there's Soho. a lot more money in, in Soho yeah. than there's in yeah. Bushwick. Yeah, yeah. better deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also on the border of between Soho. We're right next to Chinatown, right below uh, Nolita. So it was mm-hmm. a mixed neighborhood. It, it was total mix of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I was saying there were, we could tell there were Trump people driving by or whatever, because that's a major outlet back out to, you know, uh, you're going to go over the, get out and go to Staten Island or, or go over to Bay Ridge. That's, that's the road you take to get to one of those bridges. This project had some global influence. I mean, did you meet, first of all, you were interviewed, I know, by a lot of different media outlets from all over the world, like Japan and stuff like that, Germany, yeah, France, South, yeah, Germany, South Africa, CNN, Espanol, yeah. And you had media posted everywhere, right, all over. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, we've had right in, in those countries and in Russian, Russian TV actually put something up on YouTube, Russian state TV. The, the well, timing was perfect because. If we had done it in this, you know, it was just that the election was in the last, was going to be, we put it up at the beginning of October. So we had one month and then the second wall went up two weeks later. So it was, I think media was hungry for another story, but one that they could put their own wrapper around it. Mm-hmm. So so it, it kind of landed right at the right time for a lot of media, especially the interest outside. And we, we it was funny, later it came to us that the wall, if you were from like CNN and Espanol, you know, it was it was an allusion to the border, uh, the border wall with Mexico. So there was a whole nother mm-hmm. connotation that right. originally we Love were looking it. at it as a, here's a wall we put up Mm-hmm. You know, it was a public art piece, but did, then it became another wall. And did, I'm, I'm still getting emails and messages from people who are like, you know, I'm sorry I missed it or, you know, be putting mm, it up again. Mm. Um, I get phone calls. Really? Oh, wow. messages from the from the GoFundMe page. I wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people still, are really, you know, they come down to see it and then they're bummed that it's gone. Wow. So, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to there's a, a fifth grade teachers reached out from us to us from a fifth grade class in Massachusetts. So we're going to be doing like a conversation with this group of fifth graders. On Zoom? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. are you going to are you going to uh record that? You've got to. Uh, I want I'm sure we, I'm sure Please we do. Maybe please do. You've got to post it on the Wall Lives page. So did you learn um about how other people saw you know, our government or anything like that? Did you get a different perspective than one that you had or were, were you made aware of different pers- of different perspective that different people had that would come and talk to you? No, I, me, I, it's, it's what you'd expect. There's two kinds of people. We mostly probably 90% of the people we saw, met or saw on social were, you know, definitely going to vote for Biden and the other 10% were, you know, and so you'd see that reaction just like you would on social media. Um, mm-hmm. I'd see more of, of it. Middle, there's not a lot yeah. of middle grounds right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. In terms of yeah. where you stand. Yeah. So it's either it's, you know, it's one side or the other. And, do you think um, do you think people from other parts of the world understand what like they really get it? What yes. we, what we get? hundred yeah. percent. I think the Germans and the Japanese in particular. And the Italian 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 press actually did that, a lot of of, of stuff right. on this wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, if you were if you had a if you had a history democracy now, but it had a history of fascism like Japan, Germany, Italy, I think that was particularly. Yeah. I think they particularly wanted to shine a light on that. Agreed. Hmm. I mean, our biggest allies, and yet, you know, they they lost faith in the U.S. a bit. Um, Tom, 
it was so annoying. You know what the worst thing was? <laughs> Phil wouldn't shut up about the wall lies for a month. Like that's all he talked about. Come on, you got to give me, you can imagine, you got to give me some sympathy. Can you imagine what I went through? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, um, that, that, I don't know what to say to, about that. I, I live alone. I guess my cat probably heard a lot about the wall lies as well. Were you taught it? Uh, were you as folk? Was it like it did? It really consumed all of Phil's every waking moment. Yeah, well, did it but feel like Phil, that? For you? Phil also had the added job of doing all of the um, the digital stuff. Right. That's true. So that that that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty much focused twenty four seven for those first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, well, it wouldn't go. It and then didn't it, stop. It, I mean, it, we it, thought right. we'd be I done. Know. But there was, it wasn't the same story. It was a new story every day of what happened that day that was crazy. Yeah. yeah. It was I mean, a you haven't heard You haven't heard about it much since. No, I haven't. Phil, I was pretty good, right? Say I was pretty, I was, I was pretty supportive. Yes, you were very supportive. <laughs> I, I, I really tried, guys. I really, it was, it wasn't easy sometimes. Uh, his fingerprints are on there. Whenever, whenever I had the fine tuning of like the, uh, yeah, the the explanatory text and the the color key and all of that, how to make that look. Uh, I'm not a graphic designer, so the long Lisa, copy. I'm good with long. I'm good with long copy. Is really what I'd happened. Send, I'd and, send and her some know, graphics. I mean, to the point about not being a graphic designer, and neither am I. I mean, I, you know. I think that, I mean, while there were different sort of design treatments that Phil came up with, what we came up with was so very basic mm -hmm. that it's like, I mean, people ask me, like, who did the, the design? I mean, I would say, like, Excel, Microsoft. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, basically it's just a grid, you know? I mean, just a grid with, with color coding. Um, and that's it. And that's not, I, not I that like that he, not that that was easy to do with. No, no, I'm not saying in the that, scale. That's not right. Yeah. That's not yeah. that's not my point. I mean, my my point is that 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 I mean, without us going down some super artsy road with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even yeah. I even, you know, was sort of, you know, a thought at, at first that the name was too basic, right? That we should like mm -hmm. go with something that was like more like it's naming an art piece rather than the wall of lies. But that turned out to be a hundred percent the the way to go with it is to just present, right? Yeah. So like not present yeah. our, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, our ego within it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just present what it is well, in as simple a way as we possibly can. Well, that's what yep. I love about projects like that, because from beginning to end, through and through, it was literally just the facts. And just there was not there was like the, all the creativity. There's so much of it, but it's invisible to what is seen. Right. What, Phil? No, that's <laughs> I just yeah, have what you were going to say. We were just going to say that the the only brand you know thing we signed it off with on the original wall was uh, somewhere in the corner. It kind of gave the color code, and then it gave uh, Instagram handles for me, Tom, and Radio Free Brooklyn, and a credit to the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. So it was very you know underplayed where mm -hmm. it came from. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, you know what? I'm going to say thank you because we only have two minutes left, and I want to. Uh, say goodbye to everybody and tell them about our really fabulous new sponsor and everything, uh, the uh, city running tours. So um, thanks. And um, I am really excited to see what happens with this. And I just want to remind everybody, go to uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org and wall of lies. There's an entire section that you can see. Uh, also, you should listen to Tom's show, which is on Thursdays, same uh, lineup in the evening right after mine. Mine's 2 to 3. And Tom, yours is? Mine's from 8 to 10. 8 to 10, Frequency Theory. and um, That's PM. PM. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. So I... I uh, this was very, very interesting. It's a really, and I can't wait to see what happens in Washington. So that this, you're going to be January 19th, January 19th. Look for it guys. 
In the meantime, I just want to uh, tell you about City Running Tours, um, which is a great tour. They offer neighborhood running tours. Don't you think that's really awesome? Like you can so, go and run around the neighborhood with as a tour. It's a very cool idea. It yeah. is. It's a really great idea. And I've actually heard really good things about that, um, about that particular um, tour company. Really? That is good to know. I mean, I, I, I've, I had never thought about anything like this, but if you're into running or you like to run once in a while, even, it just sounds great. There's 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan and Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. So we have it. The website is cityrunningtours.com. Okay. Thanks for listening. All right. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.